I'm not sure why, but I see Brian, the sound guy, running up here as I'm waiting for the music to go down. So it must be he took the uh, standing greet really seriously. Hey, uh, I just want to, I wasn't planning on doing this, but I just want to circle back to the divorce care. Uh, we understand the biblical principles of divorce very well. Uh, we also know that sometimes people end up in situations uh, not by their own choice. Uh, sometimes it's not something that they desire. This is, it is the reality that, that there are people in the congregation that are going through or in some cases have gone through it uh, a while back and are still trying to deal with the hurt of that. Uh, and it's just a wonderfully, very biblically uh, centered, you're gonna learn a lot. Um, but it's also just a wonderful outreach. So Lily said it, but this is just one of those things. If you know somebody that's reeling, uh, and it could be that it happened two decades ago, and you just know that they still are carrying some difficulties. It even talks about the biblical uh, picture of what it looks like after. Um, so I just want to encourage you that it's a good thing, uh, and it's a right thing uh, that we offer this to our people. And I also would like to say, uh, do the love after marriage so that you don't have to do divorce care. We understand it's kind of weird we're talking about both. Uh, but that's the reality of uh, having a congregation as large. We have people in all different situations of life and we just wanna care for them, show them what the scriptures say about all those things. Uh, one more quick announcement. We have um, the new member class coming up next Saturday morning. Uh, we do this in kind of a, a half day uh, together. Hi, Clyde. Um, it's my grandkids. It's the only baby I can tune into is the grandkids. Everybody else I can ignore, but something about... Uh, I know that will cry. Anyway, uh, the new member class. So we just need to know if you're coming. This is a great way. If you come to it, you don't have to be a member. But if you do come, it tells us. We just really walk through uh, what we believe, how we do church, what our, our mission is. Kind of, It's just a great way to get to know us. We go on a tour of the campus, and you get to see all the different things that we do here, understand the different ministries of the church. So uh, it's a great way to play. But we need to know you're coming because we're going to serve you breakfast. So just let us know. And you can just stop the information counter and say, I want to come to that. Again, I would just say, even if you're thinking about membership, uh, it's a good thing to come to because you're going to get to know us a little bit better and there's no, we don't, we don't force you to do anything at the end of it. So if you decide at the end it's not for you right now or whatever, um, but this is one of the requirements for membership as well as that you go through the class. Okay? You with me? Yeah. Happy New Year. Everybody having a good start to the new year? Yeah, yeah. It's very, very... We've had some strange weather. It's either sub-zero or, or, yeah, anyway. Hey, uh, most of us, I would guess, a high percentage of people in the room have made some sort of New Year's resolution. Uh, maybe you made a list. Maybe you just chose five or six things, two things. I don't know what it was. Uh, but, but if we're going to be honest with ourselves, uh, we already have recognized that most of us also aren't going to keep them. Actually, the statistics are only 8% of people keep their New Year's resolution, which is a pretty abysmal number. And the thing that I think is really hilarious is 50% of us won't even keep it till the end of January. So that probably means most of us have already fallen short of what we said we were going to do or not going to do uh, in our resolution resolutions, but, but what we want to challenge you to uh, is that there's probably something that the Lord has for you that's worth your resolve, and uh, actually, uh, this series that we're in is called Resolve, and, and we would define resolve as is to decide with firm steadfastness and commitment, as opposed to the 92% that fall away. Is there something that the Lord has for you in the coming year that's worth your resolve? So if you were here when uh, Martin Sanders preached for us uh, three or four weeks ago, 
one of the things he challenged us to was uh, finding one thing, is what he said. Is there, is there one attribute that the Lord wants to get after? Is there one character element? Is there one thing that God wants to unleash in your life? And, and would you prayerfully consider what that one thing is? And you'll notice on the sides of the rooms here, we have this thing called the one word challenge. I'm going to talk about that a lot more uh, near the end of the, the message. But what Martin talked about, which was so compelling to me, Meg and I went to dinner with him that Saturday night, and he began to explain it a little bit more. And he talked about the fact that he has this group of eight to 12 people that he's been journeying with with over the course of the last several years and that they've done this every year where they each pray for one word and then they live into that word and and in each year it's a different word and he was just talking about how what a huge difference it's made in those people's lives. So imagine if every year God gives you one thing to really take hold of, right? And then next year, something different. And then next year, something different. How transformational that would be in your life. And it just became so compelling to me as I listened to Martin at dinner and and through his messages that I just felt like we needed to return to that and we needed to really take hold of that as a church. Imagine a church where everyone is doing that one thing that God wants them to do, taking the one word challenge seriously and living into it. It just has such a beautiful uh, picture in my mind of what could happen to us. So the challenge is this one word challenge. And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna look at a passage of scripture, something that I don't know that we've ever done before, but we're gonna look at the same passage of scripture over the next five weeks, this week and the next four weeks. And we're gonna use that passage of scripture as a springboard to help us Catch this to help us to live into the one word challenge. And we're also going to help you to understand how you come to come to a place where you, you grasp the one word challenge. But the passage that we're going to look up is in Philippians chapter three. So grab your Bibles, look up Philippians, go to chapter three. One of the things I love about Philippians is it's a little bit different than most of the other letters in the scriptures because it's not really addressing a huge problem. Uh, typically, the letters were written because there was a problem in a church, and you can, you can kind of see what the problems are by the way it's written, but there's something very unique about Paul, the writer of Philippians' relationship with the church in Philippi. They seem to be much closer or, or more comrades in, in ministry, and so there's this, this beautiful picture of friendship that comes comes out of this letter, and then, and then it's just a letter of exhortation. Paul is exhorting them how to go deeper in their faith, how to live more, more faithfully in, in their journey. It's, just, it's a beautiful picture of exhortation. But the other thing I love about Philippians is Paul's humility. We're going to see it even in the passage we read, but he, he sort of reminds them more than once, hey, I'm not there yet. I'm telling you all of these things. I feel this way every Sunday. I feel like I remember when I first started teaching, Scott Shom said to me, the message is always bigger than the messenger, because I was like, how do I teach this when I'm still trying to get my head around? He said, look, you gotta teach the truth and then you gotta live into it, but I'm not there yet. Even the stuff I'm talking about today, I'm on the journey. Paul says, I, not that I've arrived, is what we're gonna see in the passage, but I'm on the journey, and the encouragement to me in that is, it's okay. The question isn't, have you arrived? The question is, are you on the journey, right? Are you, are you even working towards something? Are you willing to take a one-word challenge and say, this is, this is something I want to make part of my DNA so that at the end of 2018, I look different in my journey with Christ, okay? So that's, that's part of it. So we are gonna read starting in verse eight, and we're gonna read all the way uh, through the first verse in chapter four. Uh, before I read, I also just wanna kind of encourage you. It would be great if over the next five weeks, you made a commitment to reading 
Philippians chapter three, just read it. It'll take you just five minutes or, or so. Just read it each week so that by the time we get through, we just have sunk into this one chapter of scripture that could be so transformational for us. So Philippians 3, starting in verse 8. Uh, once I read, I encourage you to leave your Bible open because I'm also going to grab a few other passages out of Philippians as well. So Paul is writing. He says these words. He says, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12 is one of those places where we see Paul's humility that I was just talking about. 12, it says, not that I've already obtained this for, or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. We need to say that one more time because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Verse 13, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward for what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if any of you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us, for many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is their destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him, even subjects all things to himself. Chapter four, verse one. Therefore, my brothers, my friends, he says, therefore, whom I love and I long for, my joy and my crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Let me pray for us. Lord, I just pray that uh, today and over these next few weeks that this passage will become known to us, uh, not just in our heads, but deep in our hearts, that we will take hold of the truth, that we will press on, that we will forget the past, that we will we'll do all of these beautiful things that Paul is exhorting us to do so that we can become more and more like you, that we can reflect the image of your son more and more and more from glory to glory as we sing. Lord, I pray this morning that our interaction with you, the living God, would change our lives, that we would leave different than we came, that we wouldn't be satisfied with playing church and checking a box, but that you would do uh, something dramatic in us and through us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so over the next five weeks, one more time, I'm gonna unpack this passage, but today I'm just gonna unpack the very beginning of it, so if you're frustrated because we read that much, we're just gonna cover the beginning of it, and if you want the whole thing, Guess you'll have to come back. So there's an old adage that says, if you aim for nothing, you're gonna hit it every time. 
right? If you aim for nothing, you're gonna hit nothing every single time. And I think this is very true in the spiritual journey. As a matter of fact, spiritual vitality takes intentionality. You have to participate in what God is doing in your life. It doesn't just happen to you. Okay, so if we, if we wanna grow spiritually, we need to have the end in mind. We need to know what we're aiming for. And Paul tells us exactly what we should be aiming for in verse eight. He says, indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. And we're gonna spend most of our time this morning just unpacking that one verse. But he says, I count everything. I found it fascinating as I started to dig into this passage that that word I count is actually a word that means I give a priority. He's kind of saying, look, if I were to number everything, I put this one number one in my counting scale. That's kind of why they chose the words I count. But it actually means to lead, right? It's the idea of giving something the highest priority that it, that it leads your mind. It, it is the thing that consumes your thoughts. It's the thing in your mind that motivates you. And what he's saying is knowing Christ is the primary place in my mind, right? That I count it I allow it to lead everything else. And if we're honest with ourselves, we realize that that is not always true of us. And I'll give you a case in point here. Meg and I have been moving for the last decade, it feels like. It's only been a few weeks, but it's been a pretty uh, hairy thing. Those of you who have moved know that it's kind of a beast, right? It's kind of an all-consuming process. So I'm, I'm not sure you get this, but... But in the middle of a move, it was difficult for me to think about anything else. I was either thinking about what it needed to pack or what needed to be unpacked. I was thinking about what needed to be fixed or what needed to be hung or what needed. And then you're, you can't find stuff. I was getting ready to take off. To, I had to do a funeral on a last minute funeral on Thursday. I couldn't find my dress shoes. They were buried somewhere in a box. You know, it's all that stress that comes with it. But here's the reality. And this is just a confession to you. And just so you know, I have not yet arrived. I'm on the journey with you. I have spent... What's led my mind for the last few weeks, get it? So I'm just, I'm just trying to get you to get your, yourself around this idea of counting it, of, leading, of something leading your mind. What's led Doug Kempton's mind over the last few weeks has been moving. What have I woke up thinking about? What do I have to move? What have I gone to bed thinking about? What did I move? What do I still need to do tomorrow? What needs to be done at the old house? What needs to be done at the new house? Yada, yada. I haven't been able to concentrate on anything much other than moving, so you get it. So, so sometimes the thing that leads your mind is, is a seasonal thing, but, but the, the reality is here, we need to pay attention to what is leading our minds. Because even if it's a seasonal thing, the chances are if you're not intentional about thinking it, and that seasonal thing goes away when we're, we're moved now, so hopefully, God willing, I won't be thinking about that anymore, but if I'm not intentional, it'll just be the next seasonal thing, right? So, so you get it. So, so all kinds of things can, can consume our minds, right? So the question for you to wrestle with this morning is what's leading your mind, right? Is it work? Is it finding work? Is it finding a new job? Is it, dig this, it could just be a hobby, like something that you love to do. But if you wake up in the morning thinking about when you're going to get to it and how you can get that new thing so that you can do it better than what you used to do and you want to go work on it, it can be working out. It can be so many different things that can be in our lives. But what's that first thing that you think of when you wake up? What do you worry 
most about? What are you obsessed with? It could be money. It could be, it's, it's just, it's so pervasive. If we are honest with ourselves, there are all kinds of things that we allow into our brain space that lead our mind. And here's what we're aiming for. Here is the aim of the spiritual journey, and it'll come up on the, as being the only one up there, but it's to know Christ, Right? That's what we're after. That's what Paul says. He says it's the surpassing worth of knowing Christ. And in that surpassing word, one of the translations I read, which I think is probably really close to the original language, says the victorious knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord. The most important thing, Paul is saying, the most important thing in my mind is to know the victorious knowledge of Jesus so that my knowledge of Jesus becomes part of the victory in my life over all of the other things that I'm struggling with. You get it? So, the, so this is a picture of, of prioritization, right? So this verse eight is challenging us to, to have a desire, a conscious, willing desire to know Christ, to allow the knowledge of Jesus to lead our very minds and to make that the pursuit of who we are. It doesn't mean all those other things go away. This is a prioritization thing. Look, we were going to have to move, right? It's not like I could not think about it. There's things that just need to be thought about. You're, you still have to think when you go to work. Otherwise, you won't have work, right? It's not, it's not that you, it, the question is, where is it? Do you count knowing Christ as number one? Or is something competing with that? The context of Philippians is really fascinating. Paul is actually talking about his own life experiences. And if you still have it open, look at verse four. He kind of tells us, this is what used to lead my mind. And now it's knowing Christ that lead my mind. He says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh, if anyone thinks they have reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew among Hebrews, as of the law, a Pharisee, as for, to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, as blameless, meaning he didn't cause other people to stumble in the Jewish faith. But whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. And what he's saying here is all of my religious doing and all of my religious pedigree count for nothing. This is what used to lead my mind as a Pharisee. It was keeping the rules. It was doing the right thing. It was going to the synagogue at the right time. It was all of those. That was what led his mind. He's saying, but I count that all as rubbish. I count that all as nothing, right? So listen to me, church, because this is really important. Our religious activities are not a bad thing. They're a gift from God, right? But they're a gift from God to help us to know Christ. And the problem is they quickly, because this is just our human tendency, all of our spiritual disciplines, if we are not careful, become the discipline becomes the thing that leads our mind and not the knowing of Christ. So if you get up in the morning and you feel guilty because you didn't have quiet time, because you have a box that didn't get checked, then it's the quiet time that leads your mind. If you get up in the morning and you miss your quiet time and you feel bad because you didn't get to hang out with Jesus... That's a whole different picture, right? So, so if you're missing a spiritual discipline, if you come to church to check a box, then you're missing the point. If part of your desire to be at church every Sunday is because it helps you to know Christ, then the right thing is leading your mind. Okay, makes sense? So it can, be, it can be a gift from God that we kind of can manipulate, we can twist to, to get in the wrong, in the wrong place. 
Are they tools to know Christ or are they the actual uh, discipline that leads your mind? So here's the fascinating thing. We can, we can have things that, that, that rule our mind can be good things, right? We just talked about them. Going to church, spiritual disciplines, family, work, hobbies. God wants us to have fun. God wants us to enjoy, to have great hobbies. You know, you can be a runner and it can be a great thing for you or you can be a runner and it can be your other religion, right? If you can have another religion, we'll talk about that in a minute as well. So there can be a, a good time, but sometimes the the place in your mind that rules is kind of neutral. Like I would say moving was neutral. I don't, I don't know if it was a good thing. It was a good thing that we had a place to move to, but the moving process itself is just something we had to do. So there's things that are neutral. But the other, the other part that we have to remember is sometimes that place that rules our mind is a bad thing. It can be a sin pattern. It can be uh, an affair. It could be the desire for an affair. It could be just the, the thought life that you have that's obsessive about something that it doesn't need to be. It could be something that you're watching that you shouldn't be watching. It should be something that you're doing that you know you shouldn't be doing. So, so whatever this is that leads your mind, some could be good things, some could be neutral things, and some just by very nature could be bad things, right? And you need to, to kind of figure out what that is. That's part of what I want from you this morning. Is some of you already know. Even as I'm talking, you know what you're obsessed with. You know what you think about when you wake up in the morning and you're already beginning to think, oh, I think that has been leading my mind. In verse three of, of Philippians, Paul writes that the, the people of God, that's us, the church, he says the people of God are gonna be known as people who worship in spirit, which I think we did this morning in a beautiful way, who boast in Jesus, but then he says, put no confidence in the flesh or put no confidence in earthly things. And that's what we tend to do. We tend to say, yeah, I, I believe in Jesus, but I also need this. And so we kind of spread our foundation in two different places. My, this, I'm, I'm firmly rooted in Jesus, but I need to make sure I have a bigger bank account or whatever, whatever that processes, whatever that, and so we end up with a divided foundation, but the scripture is pretty clear. You can't serve two masters because you're either going to love one and hate the other. So we end up creating less stability because we have our feet in both places. And again, if we're honest with ourselves, a lot of us do this. We end up splitting our alliance with, well, yeah, Jesus, but it's something else as well. And it gets us in trouble. And actually the passage is saying, you can't do it. It doesn't work. So let me ask you again. What's competing for your foundation? What's leading your mind? So one of the things that Paul says is, I took all those things that used to lead my mind and I purged them. I saw them as rubbish and I purged them, but I'm not sure why. I think it was just because they didn't want to say a bad word in church, but what he actually says is it's poop. I like that word because people always <laughs> chuckle when you say it, but he, he's saying it's dung, Right? That's what he's saying. The word is actually dung. And, and he uses that word because he wants to, to use a visual of throwing something out that you would never even think about going back to and touching or taking back. Now, here's what I've learned in the move that's been kind of a spiritual lesson for me. I, we, we lived in the same house for uh, just shy of 21 years. Uh, so we had a lot of rubbish. Um, <laughs> stuff, yeah. 
Yeah. And so we purged a whole lot of stuff. But I would, we had a box. This is giveaway stuff. We had bags. This is trash. And then we had stuff we were moving. And I would throw things away. And then I'd wake up in the morning and be like, I think I need that. So I, I actually became my own trash picker. Right, I'm picking through my own trash because there's things I threw away that I didn't really want to throw away. Right, I'm returning to the very thing. And it's kind of like a, it was just a picture for me spiritually. There's so many times in my life where God shows me what I need to throw away. I need to see as rubbish. I need to see it as dung, meaning I'm not going to return to it. I'm not going to touch it. I'm not going to go back to it. But I would go back and I pull it back in and I make it part of who I am. And he say, no, anything that's in the flesh that leads your mind, you need to throw it away and you need to leave it gone. So when we prioritize knowing Christ, we make that the thing that leads our mind. There's something very powerful that happens. Look at verse 10. Actually, verse 10 and 11 says, it says that I may know him, right? So, so I prioritize knowing Christ that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, the share in his suffering, becoming like him in his death, and that by any means possible, I may be t- obtain resurrection from the dead, you look at that verse, the beginning of verse 10 and the end of verse 11, both talk about the resurrection, but you know there's no resurrection without death, right? There's nothing to be resurrected from unless there's death. This is actually just a very succinct way of talking about the gospel. The biblical principle here is if you are not willing to lay down your life, then you don't receive the life that God has for you. Right? And part of laying down your life is figuring out what are those things that are competing to lead my mind that I need to lay down, that I need to see as rubbish, I need to throw them out, never to return to. That's a picture of what it means to lay down your life. Lay down your self-desires. Lay down the things that you want for the things that God wants. And then, and then we discover the power of his resurrection in our life. How cool is that? I think that uh, it, was, it was neat that we had baptism. In some ways, just the very act of baptism is an act of obedience, of sharing in the suffering of Christ. Literally, visually, we share in the ba- death, in the resurrection of Christ. It's a way of, of relating to and sharing in and becoming uh, more aware of Christ's life and his death and his resurrection. If you want all that God has for you, you have to give up your self-pursuit, purge what needs to be purged, and put your feet firmly on Jesus. Verse 10 and 11 is just, it's the gospel. So I'm not done teaching, but I'm gonna hit the pause button for a minute. Uh, Not normally do something like this in the middle of a sermon, uh, but I'm gonna ask you to close your eyes. I'm gonna ask you to just open your hands to the sky, open your your body in a posture of being open. I'm gonna ask the Lord, Lord, would you just speak to us in these next few minutes? Here's what I know to be true. There are some people in this room that have been saying to themselves, but I don't know Jesus. Right? We've talked about this pursuit of knowing Jesus, and I just want to tell you, you can know him today. It's really not that complicated. It's really a simple thing of you just praying in your own words, Lord, my way is not working. Lord, I've made a mess of my life. I have all kinds of things in my life that create havoc and pain, and I just give my life to you. I invite you to be the Lord of my life. I invite you to lead my mind. 
But there's many of us in the room, myself included, who just need to return to the gospel. That even as I've been talking, you know there's other things competing. So I'm just asking you in your own words and the quietness of your heart just to say, Lord, I give fill in the blank that to you. I ask that you would be the one thing that leads my mind. Maybe you'd like to ask the Lord, what do you have for me in exchange for this? And just listen, some of you will get a word, some of you will get a picture, some of you will get an image. Lord, I ask that you would help us through the power of your spirit at work within us, that you would help us to pursue knowing Christ above everything else, that that would be what leads our minds and our lives, not just today, but tomorrow, the rest of the week and the rest of the month and the rest of the year and for the rest of our lives. I pray that you would bring those things that compete with you to mind and that we would purge them, we would see them as rubbish, as dung, and we would throw them out to not allow them to compete with the incredible power of knowing you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Now I want to return back to where I started with the one word challenge and just give you a little bit of context for why I wanted to teach this. So it'd be easy to walk away and think, well, all of our one word should be knowing Christ. But that's not the point here. Remember, what I said is this is a passage that becomes a springboard or a launching pad for living into or living out the one word challenge that God gives you. So I've been talking about this one word challenge a lot with the staff. I've been talking about it a lot with the guys that I meet with in a small group and when I have one-on-one. And the thing that's really become clear to me is people get it. They grab onto it. It's become really transformational already in a lot of people's lives. So I've challenged the staff. I said, tell me, if you will, pray about it. What's the, what is that one word that God has given you? And so the staff began to share it. And here's some of the words. And I'm a little hesitant to give you words because I don't want you to be like, oh, I like that word. I want that word. Right? What, what we really want here is for you to receive a word from God. Meg says, let the word find you. I love that image of don't go out and search like, this isn't like you know, finding a great name for a baby or something. You're not going to go find a name book and read through them and find the one that you, you like. This isn't about the word that you like. Chances are, if you like it, it's not the word. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. Yeah. Right? So, so listen to the Lord, but here's some of the words that we've gotten uh, over a little bit. So we've gotten create, uh, this is the idea of being more creative, that God wants this person to, to, to sink into their creative, God-given creativeness, discipline, stillness. Uh, this is actually the word that God has given me. I know this is the right word for me, and I think I might have said this to you before, but as I have tried and, and prayerfully Uh, ask the Lord to give me more joy. People keep asking me what's wrong with me, which tells me I haven't been doing a very good job with joy in the past. I don't know if they think I'm drunk or what. Like, what's wrong with you? You're so happy. Yeah, that's not a good thing. Just so you know, that's not a good thing. Loyalty, peace, serve. I got, there's a whole bunch of them up that that I could share with you. I asked permission to share this one, but uh, 
Uh, when Martin preached, this was one of the things he asked us to do was have a word. And uh, Matt and Loretta Mancinelli, Matt's the one who runs uh, SOAR Detroit now. Um, but they, they obviously go to church here. They were at that service. Uh, and Martin invited us down. If you remember, he did like three different prayer areas, press on, press through, press something. And thank you. I'm glad somebody was paying more attention than I was. Sorry about that, Martin. Um, but they came down and uh, they didn't know it, but God had given them the exact same word which I just think is super cool. That's, isn't that, don't you think that's super cool? So here's a married couple. God gives both of them the same word. And so, uh, and as a way of sinking into the word, they created this board at home. Um, and so their word is intimacy. And so if you can't really read that um, real well, but the idea here is these are all the ways that God is going to uh, help them to sing it. So they have date nights here and they hang a little coin every time they do a date night. Uh, they have an area here that's just for time that they're going to spend one-on-one uh, -on -one quality time with each of their kids, and they're keeping track of that. Um, they actually, I, I mean, they told me I could share it. They actually have the word sex up there, which, good for them. Um, <laughs> amen, all the guys, we need a board like that. <laughs> yeah, how do, we, how do we get one of those? Uh, but anyway, right, these are all the ways that they are trying to live out for the next year a greater level of intimacy. And there's also, they're going to put a Bible verse right here. They have quiet time in there, God time in there. So they're, they're, it's just, a, it's so cool um, and so overachieving. So this is my board. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So... You, you may be like Doug Kempton, or you may be like the Mancinelli's, or you may be in between. That's not the point. The point is, will God give you a word, and are you willing to live into that word? So for me, the word is joy. For me, the passage for this year to just continue to hold on to, which I'll share a little bit of that passage at the very end, is Psalm 1611, where it just says, in your presence is fullness of joy. Look, the idea here is I can just make myself joyful, or I can try or I can figure out what does that mean biblically. So when God gives you a word. So here's the fascinating thing. I've talked about the joy thing a little bit. Uh, this is a great conversation between me and the guys that I meet with. How you doing on that journey? I know what their words are. And they know what my word is. So we know how to talk to each other. We know how to challenge each other. I'd like all the elders to have a word so we can say when we're together. How you doing with that word? With that, that one piece that God wants you to take hold of. Wonderful way for us to challenge each other. Um, I want to explain this in one more, more important, because this becomes foundational to everything we're doing, and with this, it's going to wrap things up, but how many of you remember who this guy is? What's his name? Joe Grow, or if you, that offends you, it's Josephine Grow. Uh, we didn't mean for it necessarily to be a gender thing. We use Joe Grow a lot, but uh, let's just assume this is each one of us, right? So if we are going to live into and live out the one word that God gives us, then, then we need to realize that it can't be a work of our own. So uh, if you want to put up the second slide, uh, and I, I, there's probably a better way to represent this, but I got to tell you, I doodled a thousand different ways, and this was the best one. Really, Joe needs to pass through, or he needs to be in, if you will. This is almost like a portal or a, a cylinder. And the first thing that we know that has to be in place, the first element of living into the word that God gives you is that it has to be centered around knowing Christ, right? Now, if you're asking what two, three, four, and five is, that's the next four weeks. So we will fill in the cylinder before the end of this series, but then go to the last slide. So God gives you the word. The words are gonna come out of this. Does that make sense? And here's the deal. Like I just said, you can 
skip this if you want to. You can make this a self-help sort of thing. God's given me a word, so now my word is, is joy. I can just find all kinds of ways. I need to read a joke book every day. I need to smile more. Whatever it is, you can come up with ways to circumvent this, but there's a couple things that are going to happen. A is it's not going to stick. It'll be like all your other resolutions, and it's not going to be a God-given spirit thing, so it's not going to really bear fruit in your life anyway. This has to be a work of the spirit in you to make it happen. And this is so important because I don't want us to come up with words and then go off and just try harder in our own strength, right? Because doing it that way is doing it in the flesh and doing it in the flesh is all rubbish and we need to purge the things of the flesh and pursue it as a spirit thing. So we're gonna discover what the other four elements are over the next few weeks and then you're gonna begin to just prayerfully consider what are the words or what is the word that God's giving you? And some people are like, well, I don't have one word, I have two words. So my encouragement is just put a hyphen between them and pretend like it's one word. I'm not really caught up on whether or not it's a word. I just want God to speak to you. And I want him to tell you, this is what I have for you in the coming year. Okay? Make sense? So here's how we're going to close. Uh, I want to read a little bit about Psalm 16 to you just so that we can... Uh, kind of frames some things, and it just fits so well with uh, the passage that we just studied. Uh, Then I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray over you. Uh, And at the end of the service, if you know your word, I would like you to come down, write it on one of these post-its, and stick it on one of the two boards. Um, But we're going to have these here for the next few weeks. So feel no pressure to make up a word. As a matter of fact, don't make up a word. Uh, And as you get it, Write it down, get excited, come back next week, and we're just going to fill this board. And if we have to, we'll get three or four more boards and just have post-its all over, and it'll just be a reminder of us of what God wants. So Psalm 16, these are just excerpts from, I'm not reading the whole psalm for the sake of time, but the psalmist David writes these words, Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. The Lord is chosen. The Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. I have set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my whole being rejoices. My flesh dwells secure. And verse 11 says, and you make known to me the path of life. That is a good promise to hold on to. You make known to me the path of life. And in your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So Lord, I just ask uh, that you would give everyone in this room a word. I pray that they would know exactly what you want them to sink into in 2018 what you would have them take hold of in 2018. Lord, as we prayed for the church this morning, the prayer team said that they really felt that there were people in the room who were prodigal, and it fits so well to just how we prayed a few minutes ago. Lord, if there are people that are far from you, may you just call them home. May they know that you are just waiting to embrace them, that you are not gonna take them to the woodshed. You just want to love and welcome them home. Thank you for your extravagant, reckless love. I pray for the prodigals in the room that they would be willing to let go 
to purge what they've been holding on to and come back to you with their whole heart. Lord, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you that we can all be on the journey together. Pray for Grace Community Church that this one-word challenge would become transformational for us as a body of believers here on the east side of Detroit. In Jesus' name, amen. The other thing that the prayer, the other thing that the prayer team heard uh, this morning as they listened for you was that there are people who have just been uh, dealing with some nagging, uh, persistent health issues, uh, and we would just love to pray over you. If that's you, uh, if you resonated with the prodigal as well, we'd love to pray. But at this point, I would just invite you to come. If you know your word, put your words on the sheets, stick them all over the boards, and God bless you. We'll see you next week for the other four. Is not love. Is not love.